Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Adult Bible Study at Holy Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Longman. Today is uh, Sunday, November 27th, and we're looking at um, the first chapter of the book of Luke. We've been kind of working through Luke and the opening of Luke right now in Advent because he's got some of the deepest um, infancy narratives that sort of bring us into the season. So it's an appropriate place to be at this time in the church year. So we're going to continue. Last week we looked at um, the announcement by the angel Gabriel to Zechariah that he and Elizabeth were going to have a son and he was going to be named John and he was shocked because Elizabeth was old and how was that going to happen, which sounded kind of familiar. Um, if you go back to Abraham and Sarah and Hannah and Peninnah and all that kind of business. Um, today we get into now the birth of Jesus being foretold and so we'll be looking at Luke chapter 1, 26 to 38. But before we jump into that, any questions that anybody has about anything? Nothing. It's the Advent season, which means we're in a season of preparation for the coming of Christ. Um, and that's in kind of two different ways. I mean, one is we're obviously preparing for our celebration of Christmas and the remembrance of Jesus coming as a child in Bethlehem. But we're also in a season of preparation for Jesus' return his second coming. And so Advent kind of wraps all that stuff up into one thing, which which um, basically we, we, we kind of go in two different directions. One is memory of, and the other is looking forward to, and it's this, it's the now and not yet that we kind of celebrate, which is sort of a hallmark of the faith. So um, midweek services, Wednesdays, um, November 30th and December 7th at 10 and 7 p.m., 10 a.m., 7 p.m., um, so we're using a series that a friend of mine wrote called um, This Is My Son. And we're looking at different sons from uh, the biblical record um, and how they point us to and lead us to the real son that matters, and that is Jesus Christ. Um, and so we'll be talking about Cain this week, which will be kind of interesting. Um, on December 14th is the children's Christmas program at 7 p.m. only. There's no 10 a.m. service that week. Um, so... Plan to be here for that because it's always a blast. And we'll have birthday cake. Um, so that's what's going on with that. Um, the Rogers Christmas Parade, if y'all hadn't heard, is coming up December 2nd. Um, and we'll be decorating and building the float today after church if you want to come help with that. But more to the point, we'd love for you to come participate in the parade. Um, we, it's a neat opportunity just for exposure. Plus, it's a lot of fun. Um, but we'll get to walk that float in the parade and be exposed to more than a thousand people for sure. Um, the theme this year is past, present, and future of Rogers, and we're kind of interpreting that as past, present, and future of Holy Trinity. So we're, we'll have all ages and all generations participating as part of the float, and you are all invited to be a part of that. So like I said, we'll be building after church today, and then the parade is on December 2nd. Um, all right, any other questions about anything? I think that was it. What? Uh, did you hear to the, from the California pastor? I talked to him Sunday afternoon, mm -hmm. and, I, and I traded messages with him again in the middle of the week um, to make sure that the paperwork was getting to him. Mm -hmm. I have not yet heard from him about a date for coming to visit. Um, so one of the one of the challenges that he's got to deal with is his wife is pregnant, yeah. and and so there's that timing business because I think I think actually the phrase would be she's very pregnant. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so 
I don't know exactly how far along she is, but that's all part of it. So, yeah, I expect I'll talk to him tomorrow. Any other th questions, thoughts? Okay, the one other thing we have to do before we jump into this stuff, because it's this guy's birthday. Can I tell how old you are? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's 80 years old today. He, he is... <laughs> Leroy has assumed the mantle of octogenarian, and he's wearing it proudly. So we're going to sing to you. Oh, no. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Leroy. Happy birthday to you. With harmony, even. Wow. Cool. All right. No other questions? Devotion. Um, Today's devotion uh, from By Faith Alone by Martin Luther is from Genesis chapter 27. Rebekah said to him, Jacob, watch out. Your brother Esau is comforting himself by planning to kill you. So now, son, obey me. Quick, run away to my brother Laban in Haran. In Haran. Um, and the title, of this, or the title of this is Doing What You Can. Rebecca shows her wisdom in sending Jacob away to avoid Esau's anger. She didn't test God by saying, the one who blessed you will also care for you, and let it go at that. To be sure, whatever God intends and wants will indeed happen, but he uses people and things to accomplish what he wants. Rebecca believed that the worship of God and the blessing entrusted to Jacob would be protected so she made use of what God had provided to find a way for Jacob to avoid danger. Those who assume that God will take care of everything and don't think it's important to make use of what's available should carefully note this example. These type of people sometimes don't take any action because they believe that if something is meant to happen, then it will happen, with or without their help. They even put themselves in unnecessary danger, expecting God to protect them because of his promises. But these kind of thoughts are sinful because God wants you to use what you have available and make the best of your opportunities. He wants to accomplish his will through you. For example, he gave you a father and a mother, even though he could have created you and fed you without them. This means that in your everyday life, you have the responsibility to work. You plow, you plant, you harvest, but God is the one who provides the outcome. If you stopped giving a baby milk, reasoning that the baby could live without food if he were meant to live, well, then you'd be fooling yourself and you'd be sinning. God's given mother's breasts to nurse their babies. He could easily feed children without milk if he chose to, but God wants you to use the resources that he has provided. Which reminds me of a joke. You've probably heard this one. There's a, there's a flood coming, right? And there's a guy in his house and the sheriff's deputy pulls up to him and he goes, dude, there's a flood coming. We need to get you out of here right now. Come with me. And the guy says, no, God's going to protect me. And so the sheriff's deputy is like, all right, fine. He leaves. Well, then the waters start coming up, right? And the guy's on the first floor looking around like, ooh, this isn't good. And a sheriff's deputy comes around in a boat and he goes, come on, I got a boat. I'll get you out of here. You'll be fine. And he goes, God will protect me. And the deputy goes, oh, all right. 
So the waters rise further. He's up on the second floor of the house. You know, now it's really getting bad. A deputy comes around in another boat and goes, come on, come out here. I'll get you in the boat. We'll get you out of here. And the guy says, no, 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 God will provide. And he goes, okay. So the deputy leaves. Well, the waters keep rising. The guy's up on his roof now. And a, and a helicopter comes over and says, come on, we'll throw a rope down. We'll get you out of here. He goes, no, 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 God will provide. And they're like, okay. So he dies. And when he gets to heaven, he goes up to God and he goes, I don't understand. I completely trusted in you. And this is what happened. And God looks at me and goes, I sent you a patrol car, two boats and a helicopter. What more did you want? <laughs> he gives us this, right? Common sense and brains and, and opportunities. And he wants us to use them. So let's start with prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the blessings you send to us, for all the ways that you rescue us, sometimes when we don't even recognize it. We pray that you would um, help us to see the opportunities around us and the ways that you would have us put them to use um, so that we can glorify you and um, bring others to know your son, Jesus Christ. Um, be with us today as we gather around your word, um, open our hearts and our minds to understand it better and uh, most of all, to see your son, Jesus Christ, in it and to be drawn to him. We ask it in his name. Amen. All right, so we're in Luke chapter 1. And I'm going to back up, actually, because these two events of Gabriel coming to Zechariah and then Gabriel coming to Mary are kind of intertwined. And so it's sort of helpful to hear the two, like, all at once. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to back up to the beginning of Luke's gospel and I'm going to use Christian Standard Bible this time just for a different translation, but I'm going to read from basically 1 to 38, okay? Um, many have undertaken to compile a narrative about the events that have been fulfilled among us, just as the original eyewitnesses and servants of the word handed them down to us. So it also seemed good to me, since I have carefully investigated everything from the very first, to write to you in an orderly sequence, most honorable Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things about which you have been instructed. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest of Abijah's division named Zechariah. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame, according to all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. But they had no children, because Elizabeth could not conceive, and both of them were well along in years. When his division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, it happened that he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. At the hour of incense, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and overcome with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. There will be joy and delight for you, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous 
to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. How can I know this? Zechariah asked the angel, for I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel answered him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. Now listen, you will become silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, amazed that he stayed so long in the sanctuary. When he did come out, he could not speak to them. And then they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He was making signs to them and remained speechless. When the days of his ministry were completed, he went back home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and kept herself in seclusion for five months. She said, the Lord has done this for me. He has looked with favor in these days to take away my disgrace among the people. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, How can this be, since I have not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who was called childless, for nothing will be impossible with God. See, I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it happen to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. Thoughts, observations, comments. H.T. In one instance, he, the Lord sent Gabriel. And in Mary's case, it was just a run of the mill angel. No, it's Gabriel again. At the very beginning of the did reading. He, where in that did he say he was Gabriel? Um, the very beginning, verse 26. Okay. Yeah, in the sixth month, Gabriel was sent to How do we Nazareth. How the difference between an archangel Gabriel yeah. Regularly beaten. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's nice that he at least identified himself to Zechariah, right? I am Gabriel. Um, and I, I, I don't have notes from last week, but I think that name is important. It, 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 means, it means basically um, man of God or something like that. Yeah, a person of, or, or one who's in God's presence. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, and he, I don't think he introduces himself to Elizabeth. She just or to Mary. I think she just kind of knows. Ooh, this is he's a bigwig. <laughs> well, well, he said I am Gabriel in verse nineteen. Yeah. yeah, now that was to Zechariah. Oh, to yeah. Zechariah. Yeah. Um, but I don't. Think, I don't think for Mary he introduces he himself. No. Yeah. Didn't. We just we know it because we get it in the narrative. Yeah. What else? Observations. Yeah, Jane. Um, I noticed that. Um, 
you know, the angel in verse 13 said, uh, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Yeah. And it makes you wonder. I mean, he was older. His wife was apparently past childbirth. Right. Was he still praying or was that a prayer he prayed for yeah. a long time? Yeah. Yeah. And then the angel said, well, I mean, there's no time limit to <laughs> right. your prayers to God. <laughs> right. And I don't know the answer to that. Right. What prayer and when and when did it, you know, now it's coming to pass, but, you know, is this... Be careful what you ask for. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's, it's never, never pray for patience, right? <laughs> but so, so, I mean, you know, I've heard it said, you know, that, that every prayer is heard, certainly, right? And, and that God's response usually, it's one of three things. It's either yes, no, or not yet. You know, and, and so maybe this was a, you know, 30 years ago prayer and yeah. God's like, okay, now it's time. <laughs> well, it's a good example of persistent prayer. True. Yeah. 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 Well, if you just that. nag God enough. <laughs> no, and not no, 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 but, but truly to be in prayer, to be seeking God's will and, and yeah. all of that. Yeah. But you're right. It, we don't know exactly what prayer was heard as being answered here. Um, and I think it's telling that Zechariah was praying, but then Elizabeth says, the Lord has done this for me to take away my disgrace. Yeah. yeah. So he obviously loved his wife a lot yeah. to be in the temple doing the sacred service and not just being focused on doing everything exactly right. But also thinking of his wife. Yeah, true. One, one, um, I don't think we talked about this last week, but for Zechariah to be in the temple serving in this way would have been a highlight of his life. This is a literally a once in a lifetime kind of thing. You're chosen by lot, you know, so it's basically a lottery as to who's doing this. There were probably some. I mean, some of the numbers that I've seen, you've probably got maybe 50 priests who serve in the temple on any given day. And I, and I think they serve for a period of time. Um, but at that time, there, there were probably something on the order of about 20,000 priests in, in the, the whole cadre of who might be participating there. So for him to be selected to serve in this way is a big deal. Um, and, and, you know, so he's, he has gone clearly up to... Jerusalem to the temple to serve. I don't know exactly where he lives, but it, I don't think it's in Jerusalem. Um, and, you know, for a, a big hoot nanny for him. <laughs> and then it turns into something even bigger, um, which is kind of cool. Other thoughts or observations? Ken? I'd once heard that the priest in those days could only serve so many years or so long a time when they get so old. Oh, okay. I don't know the answer to that, but okay. it sounds reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think in those days that was that priestly duty was kind of handed down father to son. It was you know in the in the same tribe and in the well, um, it had to be in the same tribe. Well, well, because it came down from the Aaronic and and of course then the, the um, yeah yeah the Levitical priest. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. The Levites. That's why we don't have. That's why they don't have priests today. Yes, they do. Well, sure they have. Yeah, they rabbis from the, that same tribe. following the same line. They're, and, and they're the, from a family that's now called Cohen, C O H E N, which means priest. Yeah, 
Priestly line. Priestly line yeah. <laughs> and and Cohen is Hebrew for priest. Mm-hmm. And that's what it means. Um, yeah, interesting observation. Okay, so again, looking at the questions here. Again, Gabriel is sent from God with a message. This time, it's in the sixth month. What relative to what? Sixth month of what? Of Elizabeth's pregnancy, right? So why? What? What was the point of that? Because then we're shifting into a different narrative now, right? We're talking about Mary, but what that does is it actually ties those two together. Okay, so so just I mean I'm just talking about literary rules here, right? That as we come in this transition from Elizabeth's story into Mary's story, the the fact that our time is being measured based on Elizabeth's pregnancy means that these two things are tightly bound together. They, they, they have relevance to one another, okay? Doesn't the word kind of explain that, where he came before me? Yeah, exactly. That's, on and on and on. that's exactly where it's headed. Is, is this the tight connection between John and Jesus takes you back to the prophecies about Elijah coming first and then the, the Messiah coming. So, so they're all little clues that are kind of making sense of, of exactly what's going on here. And it's not just two run-of-the-mill pregnancies, that there's something bigger afoot, okay? Um, yes. This, yeah. Um, there was a sort of explanation that Ezekiel... Um, Eight, one, and two. Mm-hmm. That it was visited in the sixth month, and also that in Haggai one, one and two, mm-hmm. that, that, that there was a divine visitation in the sixth month. So it's kind of alludes to that the sixth month is when a divine <laughs> there, intervention. There's some happens. stuff going on in the sixth uh, month. Yeah. Okay, I'll buy that. Yeah. Ezekiel eight chapter one. In the sixth year, in the sixth month, on the fifth day of the month. I was sitting in my house and the elders of Judah were sitting in front of me and there the hand of the Lord came down on me. So that, what was the other reference you had? In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel. Um, Here's an interesting aside, and this has zero relevance to what we're talking about, but it's just cool. Um, you hear that phrase a lot, the word of the Lord came or the word of the Lord mm-hmm. came to me or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the actual Hebrew phrase is, I think, cooler than that. Because the actual Hebrew phrase, if you, if you translate it like really woodenly, is that the word of the Lord happened to. So the word of the Lord happened to Haggai or the word of the Lord happened to Jonah. And I just think that's a neat kind of observation about what God's word does to us, you know, that there's power in the word. And when it comes to you, it does something to you. It was also a reference to the sixth month as being the time of Pentecost. 
Pentecost would be 50 days. Um, and I don't know exactly where in the year it falls. It's 50 days after to, after Passover. Not to the Jewish calendar, but to right. the Hebrew calendar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, I, and so Pentecost, which existed before like what we think of as Pentecost, was a celebration that was 50 days after the Passover. And I'm, I'd have to look. That's probably about right. Yeah. What's the meaning of Pentecost? Um, well, Pentecost literally means 50 days. And, and it's, oh. it's, it was... Um, Oh, what was the, the? I don't remember exactly what the celebration was. It was a oh, feast of booths or something Pentecost like that. Yeah, it's the feast um, of booths. It's a feast of booths. Yeah. So you yeah. got Passover is the Exodus, and then Pentecost is the is the remembrance of the time that they lived in the in the wilderness, um, and the booths meaning tents. They totally right, right. So yeah, it always comes fifty days after. Now it becomes something different. And, and there's an important tie in there, right? That God brings his people out of Egypt in the Exodus. And just as an aside, if you want to understand what Jesus is up to, read Exodus. Because Exodus, everything Jesus is doing is Exodus done right. Like all the things that the Israelites hosed up or whatever in the whole process, Jesus comes back and does it again, but does it right. Okay, so... Pentecost in the Old Testament was about God having brought his people out and, and made them into a new people, right? And so Pentecost for the Christian church becomes now a celebration because that's when the Holy Spirit appears. It's when he pours out his spirit on the, on the prophets or on the disciples and they begin talking in tongues and all that kind of business. That's the birth of the Christian church after Christ has brought us out of bondage to sin, death, and the devil through his crucifixion and resurrection. So it, it, it like super closely ties together Jesus' death and resurrection, the birth of the Christian church with the Exodus and the, and the kind of the establishment of the Israelites. So could you kind of vaguely tie that in as the divine visitation to Christians that were a part? Yeah, I mean, we're getting kind of allegorical at that point. And, you know, I think it's more tenuous. But, but certainly, it's one of those things, it's like I said... I said last week, anytime you bump into a barren or childless woman in Scripture, you better sit up and pay attention because something's going to happen. It's the same kind of thing. I mean, there are, there are themes that sort of replay throughout Scripture, and that sixth month thing has something to do with it, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, numbers kind of matter. All right. So, a city named Nazareth. This is uh, verse 2. I'll get it back to ESV here. Um... That's the wrong one. Luke. Luke 1, 27, I think. 26. So, come on. My computer is not cooperating. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Matthew gives us some insight into why Nazareth. If we look at Matthew chapter 2, verse 23. Somebody want to look at that? And he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. Okay. So the he in this case, I think, is Jesus. Jesus. Um, yeah, yeah. This is after Jesus and Joseph and Mary go hang out in Egypt for a little while. They come back and they go to Nazareth. 
um, which of course was Joseph and Mary's hometown. Um, so, so what does Matthew say is the reason why Nazareth? And your translation is slightly different from what we've got mm-hmm. from it's ESV. Like the prophets. Yeah, yeah. So that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as it happens, Nazareth is not mentioned anywhere in the Old Testament. Like there's no reference to Nazareth at all. <coughs> so how will Jesus coming from Nazareth, and remember there's a distinction between your birthplace and where your parents lived, right? How would that fulfill prophecy? Called a Nazarene. Okay, to be called a Nazarene, yeah, which, Nazarene, which yeah, I don't think that's even actually. Does that have something to do with priesthood? Well, no. Um, chapter one, verse twenty. So, so it was fulfilled. So that he, yeah, so so that was fulfilled. So he would be called a Nazarene, and yet there's no mention of Nazareth anywhere in the Old Testament. Here's how it all ties together: this child, from born in Bethlehem, but from Nazareth, okay, because of where his parents' hometown is basically comes from nowhere. Nazareth is the sticks. It's podunk. It's, I mean, when I lived in Georgia, I lived in Athens, Georgia, okay, where the University of Georgia is. There was a little bitty town called Bogart, um, just off, just a little ways off outside of Athens. Bogart was the sticks, right? I mean, who comes from Bogart? Come on. Athens, that's the place. Nazareth was like that. I mean, Nazareth was just nothing. It was this dinky little town in Galilee, up on a mountain that nobody knew anything about. Um, This is hardly the place that you would expect the Messiah to come from, okay? Like, Like, I don't know, what's a good analogy here? When I lived in Jackson, Missouri, <laughs> this is kind of how people, this is bad. People are bad, right? <clears throat> this, we were in Cape Girardeau County, but this is how we talk about people from Bollinger County, which is right next door. You know, it was like, oh, Bollinger County. But I mean, it's like, where does the king come from? He comes from Mountain Home. <laughs> some, some little bitty place that you're like, no, come on, he's from you know, Paris, or he's from New York City, or something like that. Nazareth was nothing. Try Garfield, Arkansas. Garfield, okay. I'm trying, trying not to put anybody down. <laughs> but but so what it, what it comes down to is that Nazareth was what you might refer to as a despised place, okay? It was not a place that people looked on fondly or thought that it had any particular worth. Um, you know, it was... Yeah. Is it a dump? No, it's a bigger city now than it was then. <laughs> yeah, it's a big city, but it's on very steep hills. Yes. So you can't farm anywhere close to it. It's not really good for flocks, so you really can't have a big sheep herding operation anywhere around it. Okay. So back in that time, it would be a worthless place because yeah. you either farmed or you had animals. Yeah, and it's very, very steep um, mountains right yeah. there around Nazareth. Yeah. I mean, if you go down to the valley, it's like two streets wide, and that's it. <laughs> and a river and a bay. And, and this is what a trip to Israel is, why it's really cool, is you get yeah. that kind of visual about what we're talking about. Um, 
Just a little when plug. They take, when, they take Matt, when they take him out to the cliff <clears throat> to throw him over, when you're down in Nazareth, you look up and it's like, yeah, if somebody were thrown over that, they died. Right. They yeah. land on a ledge. Yep. I have a definition. Go. Um, Nazareth comes from the Hebrew word netzer, which means a branch or shoot. Oh, interesting. So the significance is that a shoot comes from a stump, which is life from death, a new tree to spring from an old one that is dying. Cool. In other words, a rebirth. Yeah, I will bring forth a well, branch of David. Shoots also come from living trees. And in Israel, the olive trees live for thousands of years. And you can look around the bottom of it, and there's always shoots coming out from it. They may be this big, but they can cut them off and plant a new tree. Hmm, cool. Neat. So it, it's, you know, so. all thousands of years been there steady, sturdy. It may look right. gnarled. It may look like it's dead, but it's constantly shooting out. Yeah. Can you plant new life. Can yeah, you plant the shoots can be planted. Right? Seeds no, they've got to come from shoots. They've got to come from the shoot. Okay. <laughs> All right, so while the Old Testament doesn't specifically refer to Nazareth anywhere, there are a couple of references to what, how the Messiah will look, right? So if somebody would look up Psalm 22, verses 6 through 8. If somebody else would look up Isaiah 53, 2 and 3. Um, look at John 1, 46, and then John 7, 52. We'll kind of talk about these. <coughs> Psalm 22, by the way, is one of the what are called the messianic psalms that point to the coming Messiah. Um, and, and read Psalm 22, you'll understand why we use it on Good Friday, um, because it, you know this psalm that David wrote just comes to its completion on the cross. But Psalm 22, verses 6 through 8, did somebody find that? But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by men and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Okay, so that's, you know, that's basically Christ on the cross, although this was written way before that. But again, this picture of the Messiah is one who is scorned by mankind and despised by the people. Um, therefore, a Nazarene. That's how that fits. What about Isaiah 53, 2 and 3? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hid their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Yeah. So the Messiah comes and he is not somebody that we're looking up to, which is kind of surprising and counterintuitive. Um, John one forty six. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see you, said Philip. Can anything good come from Nazareth? So you want to know how people viewed Nazareth in those days? There's your picture of it. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go back. So, so Philip found Nathaniel, said to him, We've found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathaniel said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. So, um, again, there, there's your picture of how people viewed Nazareth um, in those days. Say it again. Interesting dialogue. Yeah, it is an interesting dialogue. Um, and what about John seven fifty two? This exchange is terrific. They replied, "Are you from Galilee too? Look into it, and you will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee." <laughs> so this is the Pharisees bipping on Jesus. Is what's going on, and, and they're like, "Oh yeah, right. You're from Galilee. I mean, come on, look at the scriptures. No, no prophet comes out of Galilee." Except one does. Jonah comes from Galilee, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Now, let me give you some geography just so you understand what's going on here. Jerusalem, kind of the center of worship, is in Judea, the southern part of the country. Okay, In the middle part of the country is Samaria. That's where Samaritans come from. It's sort of no man's land if you're Jewish. And then north of that is Galilee. And that's where the Sea of Galilee is. It's where most of Jesus' ministry took place. So you've got these southern Judeans, these Pharisees, who are like, you're from the sticks, man. Don't you know that, like, who are we going to listen to that came from Galilee? Come on. It was a put down. It was a way to, to sort of dismiss Jesus because he came from Galilee, from Nazareth. Well, at that time, wasn't Jerusalem considered the center of the world? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's in the southern kingdom. That's, you know, down Wasn't there. Wasn't the tribe of Judah the, uh, the pure um, branch? Yeah. Everything else had gotten assimilated by the Babylonians? Yeah, I mean... Kind of got the, the lost tribe. Well, you had the split in the kingdom that happened before the Babylonians kind of yeah. came in and took over everything. Yeah. Well, the Assyrians um, took one tribe and right. the Babylonians took the other. Right. Judah survived longer than the northern kingdom for sure. Um, so yeah, <laughs> we could talk about the split and all that kind of stuff going on. But the point being, Jesus comes from Nazareth and, the, and Nazareth is nowhere. Nowhere. Okay. All right. Verse 27. We get two clues that whatever Gabriel is up to is momentous. So verse 27. Um, I got to go back to it here. Luke 1, 27. Uh, he came to Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So there's two clues that whatever Gabriel is up to is a, is a big deal. You want to take a stab at what they are? Well, in Jeremiah 23.5, it proclaims that it's a branch of David. Okay, so yeah, the house of David is, that's a, mm, wait a minute, hang on, something's going on here. So the fact that David is is tied to this or his Mary's lineage. From that yeah, well, Joseph is. Mary actually is too. Yeah, in this narrative, it's it's Joseph's connection. But you're right, Mary is as well. Um, so both of them descended from J from David. Um, so that's the first one, it, the house of David. That points to the prophecy that the Messiah would be a descendant of David. Hmm, that's interesting. What's the second thing? Virgin. Virgin. Yeah, he comes to a virgin. Remember, anytime you bump into a childless or barren woman, hmm, something's about to happen. Yeah, and the so, word is used twice in one sentence. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, to, all right, so the virgin, yeah, you're right, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, and the virgin's name was Mary. So yeah, we're going to hammer this point home, right? Um, so two clues. Gabriel's up to something big. How does Gabriel meet, greet Mary, and how is that similar to and different from the greeting to Zechariah? Ooh, oh, favored one, yeah. Yeah, greetings, oh, favored one. The Lord is with you. So, so he addresses her, right? He says something to her. Um, some words that presumably would kind of put her at ease. What about with Zechariah? Does he say anything when he appears to Zechariah? Initially, no. Right, he just, he just shows up. So he simply appeared to Zechariah. That freaked him out. Um, but in this case, he appears to Mary and he's got a spoken greeting. Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And it freaks her out. <laughs> There's your similarity. Both of them are freaked out by this appearance. So um, in both cases, when they start to freak out, he had the same response. Mephibu, which means, I mean, it's translated, do not be afraid or whatever. But like really literally, it's stop freaking out. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's really what's going on there. Mephibu, stop freaking out. <laughs> so, so similar and different. There's a lot of similarities going on between these two interactions with Gabriel. Um, you got them from last week. If you still have the sheet, um, there's a thing on the back of the sheet that has a whole list of the, of the comparison. Um, the parents are introduced, expecting no child in Zechariah's case because she was barren, in um, Mary's case because she was not yet married. Um, the, the angel appeared or entered. Um, Zechariah was troubled. Mary was also troubled. Um, similar Greek word underneath both of those. Don't fear. Stop freaking out. Um, your wife will bear a son. You will bear a son. Pretty similar. Um, you shall call him John or you shall call him Jesus. And the angel gives them instructions about the naming. Naming's powerful. Um, it has a lot to do with it. Um, he shall be great before the Lord. About John, about Jesus, he shall be great. <laughs> um, Zechariah's question, how shall I know? Mary's question, how shall this be? Angels answer, hey, I've been sent to announce this to you. Or with Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Um, there's a sign given <laughs> for Zechariah. You will become mute. For Mary, um, guess what? The sign is that Elizabeth has conceived. Your um, aged cousin, Elizabeth, has conceived. Which would be like, you know, oh my gosh, Elizabeth is pregnant? Whoa. Um, Zechariah's forced silence. He comes out unable to speak. Mary, on the other hand, um, has a spontaneous answer. In fact, she bursts out in song when she visits Elizabeth a little bit later. And then um, there's a refrain at the end. Zechariah went back to Elizabeth. Um, in this case, the angel went away from Mary. So some similarities, a couple of differences, but it's kind of neat how similar they are in the way they track. Um, Gabriel talks about what's going to happen. And this may be a too vague a question, but what are the details about what's going to happen with Mary and how do they compare with what was explained to Zechariah? And, and there's kind of three points that I'm looking for here. That's too hard to try and suss it out. The, the three things are, Gabriel says to Mary, you'll conceive a baby, 
it's going to be a son and you're going to name him Jesus. And it's similar to the message that Zechariah gets, which is your wife is going to conceive. It's going to be a son and you'll call his name John. So in both cases, a very similar message is being given. Gabriel explains who Jesus is or who he will be and what he will do. Five points. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. Back to that whole point about why David was important. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. So if that's the list of things that you got, what's the conclusion that you draw if you're Mary? Or if you're you? He is a savior. There you go. <laughs> He's the Messiah. Hold up. <laughs> this baby's going to, this is the Messiah. That's right. Who had been promised all along. He'll be great. The son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. I mean, that's like a direct echo of prophecy that the Messiah would be, would come from a branch of David. Um, he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. It's like, whoa, this kid's the Messiah. The Mashiach, as they say in Hebrew, or the Christos, as they say in Greek, or Christ. Son of God. Son of God. John called him. Yeah, yeah. Guios Deos. So Mary basically accepts all of this in complete faith, in contrast to Zechariah's doubting, right? Zechariah gets the end of it, and he's like, what are you talking about? Elizabeth is old. She can't have a baby. And, and Mary's response is, oh, cool. Okay. Um, well, how's that going to work? <laughs> you know, I mean, so basically, what you get from Mary is, all right, but um, I'm a virgin, so how's this going to happen? Zechariah doubts. Mary accepts. Um, yeah, I've answered the, the whole question. There's one sticking point in the, to the plan in her mind. What is it? I'm a virgin. Genesis 17, 17, though, this is kind of worth looking at. Um, this is Abraham and Sarah, right? Um, under the oaks at Mamre. Uh, the Lord comes to him and he says, oh, hey, Elizabeth is going to have a baby. I mean, Sarah's going to have a baby. And Abraham's like, what? <laughs> and so this one, Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who's a hundred years old? <laughs> Shall Sarah, who's 90 years old, bear a child? I should like to point out here, you know, everybody gives Sarah a bad rap because yeah, like she laughs when, she when she gets a... Abraham. Abraham laughed first. <laughs> he did. But um, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. I mean, this is really the answer to the question. Um, my, this is Isaiah speaking. This is 750 years before Jesus. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. How's it going to come to pass? Well, it's not going to be in a way that you anticipate or expect, because God doesn't work that way. God works his own way, and he does things in surprising ways. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's as surprising as the virgin giving birth to the Son of God. Um, and that's what's really going on. The difference is 
Zechariah walks away from his encounter with Gabriel, unable to speak. He can't say a word until John is born, in fact. Mary bursts into song. Um, after Gabriel leaves, she goes to visit Elizabeth, and then we've got the Magnificat as she bursts into song about this amazing gift and blessing that God has given. Um, and that's, you know, it's just kind of interesting to see the differences in how they respond and in what's going on. Um, and it's also interesting because Zechariah is an old man. Sure. He's a priest. Yep. So he's had all the teachings. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and Mary is this young girl. Yeah. And she is more accepting and and comes up with this song that is so in-depth about God. It's almost like she's more thoughtful and more knowledgeable about God than he is. Yeah, which kind of calls to mind that whole thing that Jesus said, let the little children come to me, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Mm -hmm. um, you won't receive the kingdom of God like a little child. You know? So that's, I mean, that's that trusting, innocent faith and belief that what God says is true. And sometimes what he says is challenging. Um, it also shows that she came from a family that taught her yeah. scripture. Yeah. So she was actually raised in the faith. Yes. Yeah. And was prepared when that angel showed up with a, a rather stunning announcement. Is there a lot of information about her parents? No. I think there's precious. I'm, I'm not sure there's anything about her parents in Scripture. Does anybody know? There is. She was. They lived in Jerusalem. Yeah. Um, and they've come up with names for it because there's a church, St. Anne's Church. And that, but they just came up with that. That's name. tradition, I mean, not Scripture. Right? Yeah. 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 It's one of those. One of those things where they say. Well, this is where something happened, or traditionally they say yeah. this. But there's a beautiful statue in that church of a woman sitting down with a scroll and a young girl standing next to her to symbolize Mary being taught mm, right. from, a, from a child. But it's just tradition through the Christian faith that this is where her parents lived because, you know, Mary lived a long time after Jesus, so everybody would know where her parent, where she grew up, and so they don't know exactly, but yeah, it's just where they think it happened, just like where they think Peter's house was. Yeah, yeah, and that's basically drawing conclusions based on the clues around it. Yes, which make it pretty clear. Rather an insignificant person. Yeah. Because the king would have been born from a royalty, acknowledged royalty, right. according to the religion at that time. Not just from some insignificant young girl. Yeah, yeah. In Nazareth, you know, from Nazareth of all places. But that's human yeah. reasoning. That's exactly right. That's a good point. All right. Any other final thoughts, comments, questions, complaints? <laughs> no. All right. Well, we're done a little bit early, but we'll close with that, and then we'll pick up there next week. Um, let's pray. Thank you, Lord God, for um, preserving these stories in Scripture for us so that we can have a deeper and better understanding of your work in this world and your um, work toward salvation. We thank you for um, 
the understanding of how Gabriel came to Zechariah and how he came to Mary um, to announce that you were you were up to something, that you were doing things. Um, we pray that we would have our eyes opened to always see and recognize your activity in the world, to, to rejoice at it and to, to recognize it when it happens and to know that um, you love us and you care for us and you provide for us in all ways. Be with us today as we go forth from here. Guide and lead us in everything that we do that it might be pleasing to you and bring glory to your name. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week.